What do you get when you mix in Godzilla, Rodan, and King Ghidorah into a massive plot of alien invaders and monster mystery? You get one of the most beloved films of the entire Showa era. This is Kaiju vs. History, Invasion of Astro Monster. Welcome back to another installment in the Kaiju Classification with me, your host, Miles, and joining me is my zillion co-host and toy manufacturer, Patrick. Oh, yes, 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 yes. More Godzilla. I, yes. I can't get enough of the 1960s. I'm, how excited are you to talk about this movie? Because we have podcasted about this film once before, way mm. back in the more you nerd days. Yeah, yeah, that was probably one of my first times having seen this all the way through because I definitely felt like I'd seen parts of it before that. But yeah, I've I I I've been awaiting this one. I've not rewatched a lot of the Showa movies because I knew we were going to be doing it for this podcast in, in like the last year or so. <laughs> so I've I've been waiting for for this one especially as as a rewatch. Yeah, I've there have been some that I've wanted to kind of just pop in, and I'm like, well, I should probably wait for one more to do the podcast. Yeah, last year I did watch the Heisei uh, and Millennium series again, but we're not going to get to those for another year or so. So I felt like yeah. that was fine. So this week's kaiju film is, as we said at the top, 1965's holiday release of Invasion of Astro Monster. Not Invasion of the... Invasion of Astro Very Monster. Very different film. Which is weird because I have always called it Invasion of the Astro Monster. Um, yes. And I think I would put this up there as probably as seminal of a work as the original 54 Gojira in Kong and God, King Kong versus Godzilla. And we're going to talk about the, the motifs and the plot points of this movie as something that's going to be endlessly recreated and duplicated by both Toho and other Kaiju filmmakers for years to come. This is the one I've been alluding to a lot in the kind of coming out of the fifties era, as there's a specific movie that to me paints the tone of the Showa era. And it's, it's this one right here. Oh yeah. I, I think this is Outside of the original Godzilla, the most influential film on the Showa era. And as a result, on the tide of the way that a lot of Showa era monster movies are are told. <laughs> but before we get into that, Patrick, I oh, yes. need you to tell me what's in a title. Yeah. Or what's in title? What is what is title? <laughs> what's in title? This is indeed one of our first, but definitely not one of our last you know, titles to not really make a lot of grammatical sense in English as far as like the international titles go. Invasion of Astro Monster is the official international title that we use today. And if you were to search for this movie, I think like this is what it's listed on on like HBO Max where you can find it. Yes. What's listed on the Criterion Blu-ray. But yeah, when when this was released in 1965, the original Japanese title, a bit of uh, of a mouthful, I guess, 
Well, not really. This is a shorter title. <laughs> Kaiju uh, Daisenso, Great Monster War. So it has a very similar title to some of the, the later Showa movies like Destroy All Monsters and things like that. And it, it makes sense. I feel like Invasion of Astro Monster is more evocative of kind of like the space theme. Yes. This would not see U.S. release for another five years, right? Yeah. Yeah, it was released in the U.S. under the title Monster Zero, and then later as Godzilla vs. Monster Zero, which I think maybe one of my old VHSs was the Monster Zero one. I don't think, and someone can correct me if I'm wrong, which I know sounds loaded coming from a, a podcast that's supposed to be about the history of these things, but I don't think the Invasion of Astro Monster title was used until the DVD reissues in the early 2000s. Well, so one of Here, the- at least. Well, why this is an entire segment of the show is because there are about 25 titles about from between the original releases, re-releases and the home video titles that this film got. So lots of different ones throughout there. I think it it was called or was going to be called the the US and UK release Invasion of the Astro Dash Monsters. Mm -hmm. And I want to say. The Astro Monster might have been another title in there, but there's there's a ton of titles because I I, I don't know. I, I, I don't understand why some didn't want to put Godzilla in this, maybe because he's not really like the main villain. But as a versus title, Godzilla versus Monster Zero, I thought personally works very well because it does keep the secret identity, the mystery of uh, Gira showing back up in this film, which is, you know, a pretty big reveal in the first act. But yeah, fits in well with the the other show up. We got a huge list here, Miles. Do you have a, a favorite from these international or re-release lists? <sighs> Let's see. Um, Do you want to go straight to Germany and their weird title? <laughs> I mean, I, I, Command Beffel, from the Dark. Beffel is, aus dem Dunkel. That one is, it definitely stands out. I, I like the space monsters are attacking. That one's that one's great. That one just because there's a mild title. there's a mild annoyance conveyed in that title that just seems put yeah. out as opposed to threatened, and I I really appreciate that. Yeah, Czechoslovakia had attack from the unknown, which is a good one as well, and uh, the War of the Monsters, Brazil's title, pretty pretty simple. Don't understand. <laughs> <laughs> this why Lebanon is like King Kong 2000. Lebanon's title is yeah King Kong 2000. That just goes to show you still how important King Kong was in in selling those movies, just like Frankenstein for Germany. Well, um, what I love about the title of this film, even with the the Japanese, uh, you know, Great Monster War as as the initial uh, title mm-hmm. or Great Kaiju War, oh, and the American title here, Monster Zero or Invasion of Astro Monster, labeling as such. I think properly shifts your expectations because this is not specifically a Godzilla film. Godzilla and Rodan are the hero monsters, but this is a sci-fi film that happens to have Godzilla and Rodan in it. And I love that distinction. It is interesting that Godzilla doesn't get any special treatment really over Rodan. They're both kind of like one tag team duo. yeah they're, they're they're a tag team they're, they are they are the the monster tag team champions yeah. uh i guess a, I, a handicap I re- match against king Ghidorah. i i guess i remember this film a little differently from from one of my first watch throughs but 
So funny you said that because I did too. Because I was like, "Wow, there isn't much monster action here," but this is a really fun sci-fi movie. What well, like, we we see Godzilla at like the forty-minute mark, but he's in a bubble for about ten minutes, so we actually don't see him thawed out until about fifty minutes into the film, more than halfway through. This also gives us one of the most memefied and iconic moments in kaiju history. Uh, one that Ishiro Honda very much hates. Oh yeah, and that is Godzilla's little dance when he <laughs> when he takes out when he and Rodan take out uh, Monster Zero on Planet X and does this little this little shuffle, this little oh. dance. Oh, we'll talk more about the dance. The dance has a whole section of, of my notes here, obviously. <laughs> but yeah, this isn't really a Godzilla movie itself. I I, I would say. Gita the three-headed monster is more of a Godzilla movie than than this one, even though that one has more monsters <laughs> in it. But yeah, this this film starts off and we get to see our first look at the alien invaders from nearby Planet X, while not as snappy addressers as the Mysterians. Color-wise, very cool outfits <laughs> that the, the Zillions have, and and we we watch as they are under attack from King Ghidorah, who I think this is supposed to take place an undetermined amount of years after King Ghidorah's appearance. And I guess King Ghidorah like left Earth and went to Planet X. They don't really explain it. <laughs> but yeah, the, the Zillions in this movie want Rodan and Godzilla to take out King Ghidorah, which... Yeah. Under the context that, oh, this monster has been keeping us put down for so long and, you know, we just want to be friends <laughs> and all this stuff. Can we please borrow your monsters, even though we're kind of going to do it anyway? Well, and what I don't understand is, are they under attack from King Gita or is it no, under their control they, the entire he's, time? He's under their control the entire time. This The whole thing is an elaborate ruse <laughs> well, by. Why are they just X. jerks? Like, can't they just take over? I mean, it seems well. Remember, all their decisions are apparently made by the great computer. Yeah, I I just don't understand why they brought. Uh, and apparently, Rodan that great computer sucks. <laughs> yeah, that great computer is kind of a jerk. What? Why they brought them back to their home planet to fight a monster under their control? Maybe they had to like weaken them first before they could their huh. mind effect could take over. But who knows? So this this also introduces. I mean, this introduces the. The full on what was kind of hinted at with the Mysterians, like you had said, is brought in full force here. And you have these really cool. Like This is the kind of 50s, 60s aliens that I think of when I think of this era. They are is, so iconic. These aliens. You know, yeah. And, you know, all the light. The light is your guide. If you're watching the, <laughs> the American <laughs> version, it's 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 very iconic in that. And so many aliens are used in a similar fashion afterwards and during this period that, I mean, it's, it's got a little bit of everything because you have this, this alien invasion angle. So you have this great kind of James Bondy, like pulp adventure with all of the, the astronauts. And you've got this weird intrigue and cloak and dagger thing with, you know, the, the girl that, Oh gosh, what is his name? You're talking about Glenn. Yeah, 
astronaut Glenn. Astronaut Glenn, Nick who, Adams. <laughs> we don't know if that is his first or last name because it, <laughs> he's not given another one. He's the only person that doesn't have an actual full name. <laughs> I wasn't looking. I was like, is it really? Well, what's Glenn? That, they just call him Glenn. So I'm guessing that's his first name. <laughs> so, yeah. And he falls for this this woman who is posing as kind of a, I guess, a corporate representative who (laughs) ends up being one of the alien agents and also one that there are clones of everywhere. Yes. And, and she is sent in to deal with a toy inventor (laughs) who has a, a, a sonic frequency toy that's supposed to be like a, a, a rape whistle or something like a, a life yeah, it's, alert. It's, for... it, it, yeah, it's essentially yeah, it's a personal alarm, and and it's they, super they, loud they and annoying. Yeah, they bought well, they buy it up because they realize that he can match the frequency to uh, a pitch that really hurts them. So they end up buying this thing so that they can kind of get it off the market, so that it doesn't enter the market. And it's <laughs> it's an amusing anecdote because again. All of these elements come later in in the series. You you have this introduces characters that you don't see as much before. It's just scientists and reporters, but now you have a lot more of your everyday person getting involved. I, the, it won't be the last time we see an inventor or a writer somehow involved in these large schemes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so there's that aspect. There's the aspect of utilizing these monsters without weirdly enough making them the main stars, but they're also their presence is felt the entire movie. Yes, very much. So like Um, a lot of the discussion is about either how Ghidorah is taking, you know, making the zillions life impossible or Godzilla and Rodan, how they've been a bit, a bit of a nuisance here on earth but are are important to its safety, you know, at the end and in unleashing them so they can defend the planet. Yeah. uh, There's so many elements of this film that are going to be endlessly replicated for the, the rest of the Showa era. And it's so funny because so many of them were already in Ghidorah. I just don't feel like they fleshed them out. They they didn't. And this is why I kind of dinged Ghidorah is because, while that might have been his introductory film, it's this one that really fleshes out that Ghidorah's evil. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And they may be controlling him, but it doesn't seem like they really have full control over him. He's just a bad dude. He's like, oh, I just want to cause trouble. I just want to cause problems. And I, I also love the scene when they, when Glenn and uh, Kazuo, that name? Kazuo? Is, is uh, that, that's the inventor? Or? No. no, Kazuma Fuji, the other astronaut. Oh yes, played when by, they when uh, they initially Akira leave, Takarada. and they, they and they they're leaving and, and Godzilla and Rodan are there and they're both both Godzilla and Rodan just have that kind of WTF man like <laughs> like so irritated that they're being left. <laughs> yeah, the, I love the little miniatures that they made up for mm-hmm. <laughs> the the tiny alien landscape of the spaceship taking off but yeah the, there's a, a great line from uh, akira takarada uh, playing kazuo of like uh yeah they they've caused some problems but i feel bad about just ditching them here <laughs> right and it's like well yeah i guess i don't i i 
I don't understand the, I mean, it's kind of like the, the, the Simpsons joke. It's like, Oh, we're just going to get giant bobcats to take care of the snakes. And eventually the giant bobcats will, will die. But aren't they just replacing King Ghidorah with two other monsters on their planet? Well, so <laughs> this is, is the plan this, they're going this to, is, this is the shift. This is where the shift begins to happen, where you fully see Godzilla kind of adapting that hero persona. Now, here you know he's coerced and he's but like when he's dropped on the planet he's free to throw down he is i mean he 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 and mm-hmm. and, and honestly that first fight is great that is some some tag team wrestling that they do it's it's very short but it is very energetic and it is one of my favorite fights that we've seen so far it well it's there's just such a great circle of movement that we get out of all the the suits, but specifically uh, Haru Nakajima in the Godzilla suit, he's doing like front flip rolls and jumping on Ghidorah's back, just stuff yeah. you wouldn't think possible. Looking at the you know quote unquote action sequences of some of the the previous movies, it's it's that, it's really great here. That kinetic fighting, I think, is also spurred on that that by the fact that as we were talking about last week, that children are much more interested in these movies now, and so we have to give them what they want because they're the ones who are going to beg their parents to see these movies or give them money to go see these movies and so when you have a little bit of a cartoonish fight like this because it's a it's a goofy fight too i mean it's Mm -hmm. it's got some funny stuff in it and i i just think that this this really gives you everything you want and then we end i mean this is clear for the younger audience with that that little dance (laughs) the the best dance ever I love I it is an all timer moment for me. I'm sorry, Mr. Honda, but I disagree. Because <laughs> right, well, this move this this move is is art. If you want to get into it, let's let's talk about my quote unquote favorite uh, scene of this movie because it's like you said, both famous this and movie or this Taurus. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's a gift that I love to spam in in our socials. Yeah. And uh yeah, it is immediately after they get to Planet X, they get de-thawed. I guess they're kind of like frozen in place. And Gitar immediately comes and starts shooting at them. And I like that the <laughs> Godzilla has been like asleep underwater and just wakes up and is fighting <laughs> King uh, Ghidorah and immediately like goes at him with like a suplex. Well, because I mean, his last movie was Ghidorah the Three-Headed Monster, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like, so he he's got a man. He's like, he's like, oh, it's like we just beat again? you up. But yeah, after he beats him off and <laughs> beats beats him, Ooh, phrasing to, phrasing, yeah, sir. After he literally jumps on his back and like kicks him into to to space, kicks his posterior. Uh, we get a low gravity dance where he pogo's in place and makes a victory pose in the air four times. And it was a suggestion by Zillion controller actor Yoshio Shushaya. And it comes from a manga called Osumatsu-kun by cartoonist Fujio Akasuka. And is a pose of a character in that manga series called uh, Yami, who would leap back and shout, She! <laughs> uh, which so it became known as the, the, the She pose. But it, it's more like a shock. You know, like what a cartoon character would do if they saw a a mouse, you know, like jump back and go, ah, <laughs> kind of right. thing. But yeah, using it here as a victory pose is very interesting. And 
Toho producers, they don't say no to anything, it seems like, except uh, requests for more money because they loved it. And like you said, the Shiro Honda hated it. And uh, I don't even think EJ Subaraya was really on board until they filmed the scene. And then he went all in and didn't make him do it once, but made Haruna <laughs> Kojima do it four times in a row. Just kept jumping. And uh, yeah. which it's, 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 it's wonderful. It's iconic. It, again, this film has so many things that just put it on the map. And mm-hmm. so not only do you have three great monsters a cool alien invasion story that kind of fulfills the promise of what the Mysterians was doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, you also have, yeah, these iconic monster fights and yes, they are fewer and far between them in most of these Kaiju battles, but what they do with that time is so iconic and so fun that it kind of doesn't matter. It doesn't matter that it's 45 minutes in the movie this fight happens because it's so good. It makes up for not having a 20-minute battle royale. You know, it's a great yeah. fight. The costumes are super fun. I this is this is a, a it's a new suit, the Daisenso Goji suit. Yep. It's one that I really like, the Monster War Godzilla suit. I'm a big <sighs> fan of that one. It might be my favorite of this era. It's just it's, it, it's probably mine too. It's extremely classic looking. I don't know how else to describe it, you know. <laughs> but it's kind of what I think of when I, I think of, of Godzilla suits of of the era. And like I said, gave suit actor Haru Nakajima just so much mobility. If, yeah, if that's I'm, what they I'm, need. I've just to always do, been a big fan of this suit. It's totally worth it. He's got those expressive little angry eyes. I feel like they do a better job of control of King Ghidorah as well in this movie. And Rodan looks a little better than in in the previous film. I'm sure if they changed the entire suit or just the head, but it it doesn't look as kind of scrawny, I guess, as uh, it did in Ghidorah, the three-headed monster. I want to backpedal a bit and talk about the the science fiction element of this movie and the 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 context we're in historically because it's so important to remember this comes out four years before man stepped on the moon <laughs> and is only four years after the first man went into space, Yuri Gagarin. So it's right there in the middle of our kind of quest for space exploration right in the middle of the the space race. And this is a thing that we've now seen Godzilla movies do a couple of times where they just kind of latch on to a new genre and just incorporate it into Kaiju. So there's also a little bit of a spy element, a James Bond kind of style in this film as well. When, (laughs) when Tetsuo goes looking for the, the uh, Namikawa, the the, the toy agent, and, and goes off to this island. <laughs> when he gets up to the front door, he falls through a, a trap, <laughs> trapped floor, and just falls out yeah. from underneath him. There's some great elements like that that do feel very <laughs> Doctor No, James Bond, Doctor No. But yeah, this incorporates that, incorporates science fiction, the, the space race, and it's one of the things I thought about. When the when I first watched this movie, or when I was a kid and, and saw the 
1950s and 60s sci-fi films, the way those <laughs> rockets landed on their tail fins always looks so dumb and cheesy. Yeah. You know, the perfect VTOL rocket landing. But now with the SpaceX having their boosters do the exact same maneuver. Yeah, it looks a little bit less stupid, doesn't it? <laughs> this looks way advanced now. It's so so crazy how I've come full circle on that. It's like the what's the rocket name? The P one. It looks great. I think so yeah, it looks it looks awesome, and it's like yeah, this is pretty ahead of its time. And those space elements aren't don't feel as long. I don't don't feel as off. Like the first half hour is kind of the meaning the zillions and the exploration of, of planet X. It takes up a good amount of screen time. It, it does. But unlike a lot of, of, I guess what people call the human sections of a lot of these movies, this one has such a cool story that like, it's never a problem. The monsters aren't on screen. Yeah. And, and I think part of that is we do have a really solid cast. in, in you, this you've film. got, a, you've got a great cast. You've got a crackerjack script. You've got, you know, yeah, <laughs> I guess the, the thing that people would ding this movie for is a, a, the use of a lot of stock footage, but yeah, it's, it's done really well that when you're watching it, it, it doesn't, it doesn't really bother me as much. Yeah. It's the only thing I could really tell was those scenes of, of Rodan d- destroying some buildings with the kind of gale force wind of its, its flyby. Right. And I mean, if you're going to reuse footage, that is definitely one of the best sequences to reuse because I mean, it's some of the best, I think, of the 1950s, some of the, the best effects that Subaraya was able to, to put together. And it, yeah, it's composited in a way that, that looks pretty good. We, we have new scenes of, of Godzilla. Uh, stomping on buildings some new i think king Ghidorah scenes we didn't really get to see a lot of king Ghidorah destroying buildings in his original film yeah we have that one shot that just doesn't look that great and i think i commented on it when we talked about that episode but this one yeah it it overall just looks really cool gira is a much bigger menace he feels like a real threat Mm-hmm. And, and and coupled with the the aliens from planet x you know you're just you feel like this is more apocalyptic and you get to see a lot of different like you know, I think in the newspapers like of different places that are getting you know just destroyed because of the unwillingness of the people to submit to the exilians plans mm-hmm. and yeah there's a lot of cool entry there's a good pulpy sci-fi story it just it has everything I, and because it's not called you know Godzilla versus the Astro Monster. You know, it's called Invasion of Astro Monster or the Great Monster War. You can you can forgive Godzilla not being the main character and the fact that he's more of a a supporting character, mm-hmm. an important one because when Rodan and Godzilla are freed from the Exilians' control and they take they you know take Ghidorah to church, they they it's 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 a blast but i feel like every aspect of this movie is extremely fun and it's kind of outside of a couple of technical hiccups is firing on all cylinders i mean there's there's a reason i think that this is is really the i want to say the 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 centerpiece of the showa era this is this is where to me the showa era truly begins 
does it get better than this film in the Showa era? Well, it's hard to say. It's hard to it, say. It's hard to say. There are some movies I very much love in the Showa era, but I feel like without this one, you don't get some of the more wild films. You don't get some of the cooler stories. Um, I feel like you don't get some. You don't get some of the risks that were made because of everything put forward by this one. Uh, you, you already mentioned Nick Adams and Akira Takarada, who unfortunately we lost this year. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I wanted to point out some great performances by Kumi Mizuno, who plays uh, Namakawa, the well, multiple Namakawa. Yeah, she plays many, many a- a- agents. Yeah, the, the love interest for Glenn in this movie. And this is the third film. These uh, two actors, her and, and Nick Adams, were, were paired up and we, we saw them in uh, Frankenstein Conquers the World. So we mentioned a fairly complicated, controversial Hollywood star. There were rumors on set of these two dating, even though she was engaged at the time. And she admitted later that Adams, and I, with the language barrier, I don't know how this happened, had actually proposed to her while he was staying in Japan, I think over the phone, <laughs> if I, if I re- uh, remember that interview correctly. But yeah, it, it's... It's interesting, <laughs> but obviously she she turned him down. And I also want to point out the the man who suggested the she pose, Yoshio Shuchaya, who is the controller of, of Planet X. We last saw him in Frankenstein. Frankenstein conquers the world, but he was also the leader of the Mysterians on our list. A very interesting performance. A lot of great hand gestures. I don't know if you, you noticed yeah. uh, mm-hmm. so much of his performance. Because once again, part of his face is covered up. Is these am- amazing hand gestures. But yeah, we, we got to see his face, just not really his eyes very well <laughs> in this film. I yeah. love those glasses, man. Yeah, really- I, I love those little Cyclops glasses. I, I'm a big fan of the Exilians. I think they're great. And I, I think there's a reason that uh, Ryuhei Kitamura used it, used them again for Final Wars because yes. they're, they're, such, they're such awesome villains. I know they were used... And I feel like one of the video games, I want to say it was like, or it was certainly aliens like them. I want to say it was like Destroy All Monsters Melee or whatever it was called in mm-hmm, mm-hmm. the late or the early 2000s. Uh, or I can't remember what it was called. The GameCube game. I remember that. But I, I've just always liked these weird types of aliens. And when I think of this era, I feel I feel like the aliens of planet X are what I'm thinking of. And yeah, just this, this movie is, is so iconic for so many reasons. <laughs> oh, most certainly. Uh, yeah. We will, we'll talk about them more. Of course, when we get to Godzilla final wars, but there's just like you mentioned so much set up in this film that we're going to see reiterated in other Kaiju films. I mean, Gamera basically copies this movie like two or three times. <laughs> uh, we get to see kind of a similar plot in other Showa Godzilla movies as well of an evil race or species coming from another place like non-humans taking over monsters or trying to take out our monsters with their own monsters so it just becomes kind of a trope that gets endlessly repeated. Is there anything in this movie that didn't work for you, Miles? Anything that you think there's room for improvement on? Well, I mean, I talked about the 
the stock footage. So there, there is, you know, a little bit of that there, there. So there is a couple moments where the film grain, everything turns to a noticeably lower quality. Mm. But other than that, you know, I mean, sure. Would I have liked to see a little bit more monster action? Of course, but that's about it. Honestly. Yeah. 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 I mean, like, like I said, it does take a little while. We see Geeter up pretty early on, like the 20 minute mark or something but there's not a lot to destroy on the surface of planet x so it 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 reminds me a lot of the time that he spent in his own Gator the three-headed monster film where we just kind of see him flying around the mountains those sets look great though Uh, i really like planet x as far as a you know barren landscape (laughs) goes it looks looks really nice but yeah i don't know for me there's a good amount of buildup with the zillions and the humans plot. I, I think it does go by very quickly, but it, the second half of the movie just goes by so much more f- fast because there's like three different plot threads going on at the same time. And it makes for what feels like more of a modern film at that point. But yeah, yeah, I, I really, I don't know. There's not too many, other Godzilla films where we get this kind of change of scenery, you know, we get to go to another planet and, and battle amongst the, the, the stars. So mm-hmm. in, in that, that respect, it's, it's, it kind of stands on its own as far as Godzilla movies goes, but yeah, challenges and opportunities in, in doing something like that. I think they made some cool alien vistas, but then you don't really have anything to scale the monster. So it's the same problem I had with King Ghidorah critics at the time. You know, this sadly is, is like you said, one of the places where we're going to start seeing more of the stock footage come into effect. And in rifle and God, book Honda reflected, you know, it was a visual cycle of time and budget. If we recycled scenes from previous movies, we could cut the effects budget. Then if we received complaints from fans saying it looks weird, it's not fresh. We could fool the audience for a little while, but eventually they would know the trick and stop coming to see the shows. And then the studio would think that special effect films don't sell anymore. So it's no wonder we could not make anything good around that period. It is a sad story. I feel really bad for Shiro Honda with quotes like this. I know. <laughs> where it's like, you know, they, they reduce the budget, but they still want a big budget sci-fi film. And then when he tries to cut corners, then, well, then, then he has to end up making more kids films and, and, and have even smaller budgets. So I think he was right. It was a little bit of a vicious cycle, but I don't know for, for better or for worse. I, I don't know how many completely original movies would have sold well during that era, you know? Right. Part of, part of, the fact that they were able to continue making one almost every single year was because they weren't as expensive as some of those original films. Yeah. I, I mean, I can definitely see that. This is the, the first Godzilla film to use kind of extensive recycled shots from Rodan. Supposedly there was some shots from the Mysterians and Mothra as well. I couldn't really tell. In, I in the, honestly the really couldn't tell too much either. I thought they were um, pretty well integrated then. Yeah. But there, there, there's, there's several moments where the, 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 it seems that the film grain does change because they're using a little bit of an older film. 
and it's um, probably only very noticeable because we're watching you know some of those criterion yeah we're watching we're watching the 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 h that you know the the blu-rays you know and and if i was watching this on a vhs i probably would have noticed the difference um i'd like to go back and see if i can point out what is from there 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 are certainly a couple of moments but uh, eat, eat with that said I, I think, you know, in typical fashion, Han is being far, far too critical of, of himself. Yeah. Uh, th- this movie is, I mean, we'll just go and get into the, our, our personal. Yeah, uh, I, I would agree <laughs> with him. This is the start of the decline, but this is still probably the apex for for the, the Showa era. We'll, we'll see I mean, what our scores say. I, there, is a, there is a weird period in, in the middle or the latter 60s that they definitely fall into okay we're making you know stuff for kids and you know the son of godzilla and stuff like that just doesn't play as well but i also think that there's a lot of stuff in the back end of the show era that's really really excellent mm-hmm. i mean you know we have our fan favorite hetera you know <laughs> up there as well and i'm a big fan of the both the the mecha godzilla duology mm-hmm. and so i i think that yes there is a period of where i feel at the the franchise suffers a little bit. I don't think it's because of this film. I think it's a, a, one, a case of, you know, wandering, wanting to care too much to a, a singular demographic without being as broad as you should. And, and two, just not understanding exactly what to give the audience. Well, let's get to, let's get to our thoughts, our final thoughts in review form and rate this movie miles scale of one to 10. For both personal enjoyment, technical aesthetic qualities, and emotional and evocative responses. For enjoyment, I give this a 9 out of 10. This is probably one of the most enjoyable films that we've we've seen in the this era. I would say I'd probably mm-hmm. I'd probably put the original Mothra up there with the, with this one, but I, I I could probably watch this a lot more than than going back to to Aguirre or King Kong versus Godzilla, either of those films, even Mothra versus Godzilla, which I really enjoyed. This one is uh, high on the list. This one is one I have some of the most experience with outside of a handful of the later Showa movies. This is this is the one I probably watched the most. It's the one that when I think about this era, it's one of the first. It's it's certainly in my top five that I think about. I'm. There, this movie does have a couple flaws, and there's sometimes moments where the pace doesn't quite pick up the way it needs to. And like I said, I would like a couple more monster movie moments, but outside of those small little things, yeah, I'm with you. I'm probably I'm probably going nine out of ten. I was yeah. going back and forth on whether or not to get this one a perfect ten, but I feel like a perfect ten would have like had me like yeah. completely like everything works all the time. And and this one is so close, but even though I don't mind that we have the expectation that this is not a Godzilla film specifically, I I feel like if there was maybe about five minutes more of integrated monster battles, it would have it would have peppered this movie just just perfectly. But a nine out of ten is still an excellent score. Yeah, as as much as I love the first battle in the movie, it's like two minutes long tops <laughs> it yeah. feels like it if you add some in there it's a great end or or great climax to that second act and it just felt like it was a little, a little too short 
as far as the technical qualities go, I, I can't ding it that much for, for the footage because, like I said, I can only really tell one or two scenes. And this isn't like what they're going to eventually do, which is kind of supplant entire segments of, of films with kind of flashback sequences or footage of, of fights between monsters that we've we've already seen. Right. As far as story and characters and everything else goes and direction, this is a very natural looking film from a Shiro Honda. I would put this up there. I gave very high marks to Gorath for, for direction as well. This felt very similar to, to that movie. I think that's some of a Shiro Honda's best work. Uh, so technically I gave this a, a non-perfect score, but a very high nine out of 10 as well. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm right there with you. There are some, a couple of technical hiccups. We've talked about the stock footage, which is not necessarily a ding, but because of the uh, variety of quality of the footage, it does kind of give a little bit of a patchwork feel sometimes to it. Mm-hmm. There, are, Yes, there are moments you can't really tell, but there are also moments that you can. I think the suit work is great. I think the fight choreography is a blast. There just isn't enough of it. I think like the I said, sets. The, Boy, how do we haven't even talked about the oh man, the Planet sets. X looks awesome. Yeah. The, I mean the the lake they use that for whatever reason the, the flying saucer is in. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean I I think that the special effects look great. I think the monsters, the suits, everything just works. Like I said, I, while I call it the the script crackerjack, it, it, I also, like I said, would have liked just a little tightening on the pacing and you know peppering in some monster stuff. But yeah, I mean, also nine out of ten for me as well. And that brings us to the evocative, the emotional response this film resonates through kaiju cinema and maybe a, not a spoiler. We've been talking about it so far. Uh, this is a ten out of ten for me because it is. I would say probably the most influential outside of Gojira, maybe King Kong versus Godzilla for kind of really cementing that formula. But this one just does so many things that, like I said, we're going to see really replicated again and again and, and puts the space and sci-fi element in the genre, like permanently, like Mm -hmm. that is going to be a motif that is going to be in almost every single era of of kaiju films from from here on out um even though once again we mentioned that was in Ghidra, the three-headed monster like i think we're supposed to believe that he's from another world and you know the 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 venusians (laughs) the ghost of people from venus are are on this planet but this this movie when the zillions costumes and whatnot is just it's so over the top it's so great uh what about you miles are, are, are we are we imperfect agreement? yeah we're we're in perfect sync this is a 10 oh. out of 10 i i like i said i've i've said if anyone is shocked by this you have haven't been listening to repeat myself over and over again this is this is a high watermark for uh the franchise as a whole it sets the the stage for where the kaiju genre goes from here it cements itself, like you said, as as purely in the science fiction and that that section of science fiction, pretty much from here on out. And so close to that perfect ten, but it's not there. Yeah, I mean, I, in terms of its influence, it's definitely this 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 sets what people think of the Godzilla series. I feel like, mm-hmm. and it's so indicative of what the Showa era. I feel like resonates to people 
and why people like a lot of these stories and everything about this movie to me is like, this is, this is where we kick off the Showa era in full in terms of what it's going to be remembered for. You know, well, we've done a lot of things where like, Oh, we're, we're leading up to this. We're leading up to this. This is, this is the real instance where, where Godzilla is the hero and he will continue to like, I mean, there will be other moments where he's not always super heroic, but he will continue to be work towards being that heroic character where he, he's the good guy, you know, and at least until 1984, he's the good guy. And, and even then, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, I, I, I am, I absolutely am, am nuts over this movie. It's, it's, it's a fantastic film. It's one of my favorites. Yeah, there's a reason I made when we did the curated Godzilla month for the more you nerd, why this is one I, I made sure we watched. It's a good, good recommend film. Oh, and that, that means uh, our total podcast score is a nine out of 10, a, a high nine, almost there <laughs> over the, the 9.5 mark where we'd probably upgrade it to a 10, but not perfect. So we haven't had a, a 10 out of 10 since the original Gojira, I, I believe, unfortunately, not no, no other perfect yeah and i was i was on the fence about giving this one a 10 out of 10 i really i really really was yeah i i will say i mean a personal enjoyment would have done it over for me i think there are other movies in the show era i'm going to enjoy more than this one i think you were right i think it's just needed a little bit more of that monster action but it is a great film like outside of the giant monsters you know it's a great science fiction film kind of in the same way that Dagora and, and Atragon really work just as movies, you know, sure. Honda just knows how to make a, a, a nice structured film, you know? <laughs> yeah. Right. So that's going to do it for us. Uh, well, thank you for, for, for watching this with me, miles. Thanks to our listeners who are digging into some Kaiju movies, hopefully with us. And I mean, thank you for for uh, rating us, subscribing, or following us on Twitter at Kaiju versus History. Feel free to email us at Kaiju versus History at gmail.com if you have any questions or want to talk about these films. Uh, what's happening next time on the podcast, Miles? All right. So we are going to leave the cinema for the first time on this podcast and present a special episode where we dive in to some of the first kaiju television in history. Super Riot Productions begins a connected kaiju universe that rivals the movies. That's right. Tune in next time for History versus Ultra Q. Ultra Q.